0: Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite in fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week, we'll be discussing The Heart Forger by Ren Chipeco. This is the second book in the trilogies, in the trilogy that she wrote, um, with the first being The Bone Witch, which we discussed last week. So if you haven't listened to that and you're interested in this one, you might jump over and check that one out. Um, I will be starting with our characters and locations, and then Vicki will follow up with our plot, and then we'll move on. So let's start with Aina. She is one of the leaders of the Faceless. She was briefly introduced last week. She's currently imprisoned in Neve, which is the capital of Odalia. Um, she has a special talent for commanding the Deva. She's a former Dark Asha, and she has a dark, sad past. We have King Telamain, who was briefly introduced last week as well. He's the priest, the present king of Odalia, who resides in the capital of Neve, which is where our story opens up. We have King Vanner, who is the former king of Odalia prior to Telamene's rule. He was killed under mysterious circumstances. He loved Michaela, the other bone witch in this story. And on his death, her heart's glass, which he had, disappeared, which has resulted in Michaela being much weaker. We have the Duke of Holsrath, who is Kaylin's father, who has been imprisoned for several years for attempting to commit treason against King Telemaine. We have Empress Alex of Keon. She is the ruler of Keon. Um, She is described as being 40 years old, but looking younger than that. And she is reclusive and enjoys wearing sheer dresses. So go sister. She appreciates the Asha and she treats them well, but she does not care for the secretive elder Asha council. Um, she has one daughter who is named Anessa, and so Princess Anessa is the heir to the throne in Keon. Anessa is headstrong and stubborn, and she does not enjoy being sheltered, and so she likes to escape from underneath her mother's thumb periodically, which is how she met, met Fox at a dance hall. She struggles with balancing her duties as a princess with her desire to be with Fox, we have Emperor Shifang, who is the Emperor of Denoris, which is descri- and he's described as a tall man with long black hair and he's very handsome. His rulership in Denoris is absolute, and the people of Denoris exist in respectful submission to him, or they face imprisonment or death. His advisors are an older man called Tansung and a younger man called Bao Yi. We have Princess Yan Xiao, who is Emperor Shifeng's young cousin. Um, and part of the story, she has succumbed to the mysterious sleeping sickness that has affected several nobles in neighboring countries. Prior to taking ill, she was pursued by a young man called Xiao Yun, who has since disappeared. Our story takes place, it, it starts out in Neve, which is the capital of Odalia, and then we move on to Enkayo, the capital of Kion, and then um, into saint which is the capital of Donoris. I, I will be reading our uh, plot summary today. So, at the start of our story, we find Tia in the catacombs interrogating King Vanner She has brought him back from the dead in order to find out where Michaela's heart's glass is. However, he is very stubborn and refuses to answer any of Tia's questions. After being kicked out of the catacombs, she goes into the forest where she meets with her familiar, the Aussie. She has developed a rapport with the Deva and it calls her master and wants to play with her. Tia is in very dangerous territory. Dark Asha have been killed for what she is doing. And Michaela herself had to kill one of her prodigies after an attempt to control the Deva. And so Tia has remained quiet to everyone, even her brother Fox about her bond with the Aussie. She has been working hard to find Michaela's heart's glass, but has not been having great success. So she has also been helping Khaled, the heart forger's apprentice and Kant's older brother, find memories needed to make her a new heart glass. However, the memories required are rare and hard to find. Tia has an idea of using Aena's memories, and Khaled agrees to this. Tia has been visiting the faceless leader in the dungeons relatively regularly and has gotten some very interesting information from Aena. She is told that there are other runes that the elders keep hidden from Dark Asha in order to control them, Aina mentions several times that Tia would be a good faceless and that she hopes Tia will join them. Tia is, of course, repulsed by this idea, but she keeps visiting Aina to get more information. On one of these visits, she is told that the sleeping disease is targeting the bloodline of the five great heroes. When she, Fox, and Khaled visit Aina together, Aina shows Tia a rune to prove to her that the dark Asha are capable of using more than just several types of runes. As further proof, she tells Tia to go to the cemetery and find a certain grave where a book of runes will be hidden. Hidden. It is at this time, it is at this same visit that Aina reveals to Fox and Khaled that Tia has bonded with the Aussie. Fox believes there might be something in the book about a way to break Tia's bond, and he believes that they should look for it. They are able to find it, but not after They are able to find it, but not without a fight with a bunch of zombies. Tia is incredibly curious about the runes and spells in this book as they provide power previously believed impossible, like making a familiar truly alive. However, it is another secret that she misfired from her sister Asha, as they will likely report her to the Council of Elders. Heart Rain's day arrives and the Asha and the prince publicly give their support to Elik, who wants to be an Asha despite being assigned male at birth. At this ceremony, the king announces that Prince Kant is engaged to the princess of Kion, Princess and Both Fox and Tia are upset by this news. Tia does not harbor ill will toward Kants, and despite being a bit upset about his engagement, she decides to get him a present. He seemed very stressed recently, and so she and Khaled make a potion that is supposed to help reduce his stress and give him energy. Unfortunately, no good deed goes unpunished, and so at this engagement party, Tia gives Kants the potion, but a few minutes later, he becomes very ill and Tia realizes that it is a sleeping sickness that several no- nobles across the neighboring countries have developed. And so because Tia was seen giving Kants the potion, she becomes the main suspect. At some point during the chaos, Kaelin's father took control of the palace and he knows that Tia is dangerous to have around. So he kidnaps her and her friends and threatens them with their deaths and torture or interrogation. And so luckily they managed to escape and Alfie, Polaire, Michaela, Zoya, Tia, Lick, Fox, and Princess Anessa willingly flee to escape Keon. Escape to Keon. Kalen attempts to stay behind so that he can guard Prince Kants, but Tia freaks out and uses compulsion to make him come with them, which is not a great decision and generally frowned upon. And also Kaylin really doesn't appreciate having his will taken away. And so before they leave, Tia says that they have to stop and get the secret book. And so now all of her secrets are out there and everyone knows that she can control the Aussie and they know that she has this book of evil runes. And so they arrive at Keon to a less than pleasant welcome. Fox is tossed in jail and everyone except the princess is treated like enemies. Thankfully, the princess manages to convince her mother, Empress Alex, that the group means no harm. Trouble isn't over for Tia, though. Althi reported Tia to the Asha Association and she has to stand trial. Luckily, she is saved by Empress Alex. And during their visit, they find out that the Heart Forger has gone missing and they believe that he is in Denoris. And so they find Khaled and the group makes their way to Denoris. When they arrive, something strange happens. The emperor believes that Princess Anessa is there to marry him. And Anessa realizes that her mother, at some point, must have made some arrangement with him. And none of them are happy about this new development. Um, But there's not really much they could do, so they decide to take advantage of it and play along. Lick even gets picked to be a concubine, which is apparently a very great honor, so... Additionally, they find out the princess of Denoris has been afflicted by the sleeping sickness, and they decide to investigate that as well. Her name is Yan Xio. They meet some resistance from the emperor's counselors, Tansung and Bao Yi, and they are not allowed outside of the palace grounds. This is infuriating because they need to get out and search for the heart forger. They managed to get out of the palace when they discover that a Deva is nearby and they go to kill it. It becomes an issue, though, because as Tia is using the Aussie to fight it, half of the army that came with them turns on them and attacks them. And so it turns out that they are under compulsion and there is a traitor in Donoris, which is interesting because the use of magic is basically outlawed and Denoris. And so finally, when they tell Baoyi that the heart forger is missing, they're allowed to go and search for him. And with Khaled's help, they manage to find his hut, but it is a trap, and they have to fight off some zombies. When they get into his hut, they find a note by him that says that he found a cure for the sleeping sickness. However, the letter also says that you siege uh, one of the faceless leaders has infiltrated Denores and that Tansung is the traitor. And Bao Yi will help them and give them sanctuary. And so it takes a bit of convincing, but Bao Yi agrees just in time for the Odalian army to arrive. The emperor decides to rush the wedding between him and Princess Anessa, um, so that Odalians. So, that the Adalians will have no claim to Princess Nessa. Um, during the wedding, there's a dramatic reveal about the traitor, and that you see, it's just been hiding in plain sight as an assistant to Bao Yi. So, they realize that the Heart Forger is hidden by runes in the dungeon, and after a brutal battle against the army, they win, and Tia, Khaled, and the Heart Forger are able to find a cure for the sleeping sickness and to wake up. Yan Xiao, the princess of Denoris. And so thrilled with this and their discoveries, they realize that they can sneak back into the Odalian palace to cure Prince Kants. However, things do not go as planned. They sneak in through the catacombs and wake King Vanner again. They ask different questions and they realize that their betrayal runs far deeper than expected. Um, and so to discover who's betraying who, And what's really happening with the Odalian royalty. You'll have to read the book or keep listening because spoilers abound. Yeah, so there was a lot that happened in this book. You know, we talked about last week how she spent so much time building the world going into the author goes into so much detail about like their clothes and the things that they wear and the history of the asha and their roles and even just the mythology associated with the asha and blade that soars and dancing wind um and so it's a lot of detail but when you get to the second book it's just one thing after the other so all of that world building that she did in the first book I mean it like she set the stage and it just takes off with action from there
1: yeah it, and it was great because she didn't really need to pause much in there to add any more additional um like and not backstory but like world like not a ton of additional world building because so yeah. much of it was already built um when they went to Denoris, you know she obviously um that's where she did i think the most world building in this book. Right. Um, but otherwise you're able like so much of it was just action mm-hmm. and stuff going on. And that, yeah, it was so good. I couldn't put it down.
0: Yeah, it's really great. I forgot how this book ended and I had a lot, like I've read it before. This is my second read, but I forgot how it was going to end. And like a lot of stuff gets wrapped up about 70 pages before the end. And so I was like, really anxious because I couldn't remember what was going to (laughs) happen like it's even on the second read it was like really fantastic the anticipation building and all of that stuff so Mm -hmm. so good
1: everything coming together at the catacombs at the end
0: oh my gosh so let's go ahead and talk about that were you surprised that telemain was working with Ana?
1: I was I wasn't see I didn't see it. I didn't see this was coming. I wasn't like really looking for a twist. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't prepared for one at all. Like, even with um. Oh, how did you say his name? It started with a B. Bao Yi. Bao Yi. Even with Bao Yi, I was like, what? I know.
0: I forgot about that stuff too. I was like, oh, I, I, I was thinking that it wasn't Tan Tsung. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. And like they were talking, so they kept talking about that one course with like the red shirt. And it was like, I'm pretty sure that's Shao Yun, And it was. <laughs> I was like, oh, what a twist. It was so good. It, oh, yeah, it
1: was so good. Yeah. And all of that. Trail coming together at the end, you know how um King me Telamine had um thrown Kalen's father under the bus yeah for everything. Yeah. And just where they ended up finding Kayla's heart glass.
0: Yeah.
1: It was right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I liked I I mean it just it it was so much just right there at the end. Um, yeah. but it was like super, super exciting. We have another incidence where we have the faceless hiding in plain sight. In this book, the faceless was an assistant. It's another servant role.
1: Yep. And I was surprised that they weren't really looking for that, considering in the last book, like they literally did say where like where else better to hide. Yeah. Them. Well, I mean
0: would you think if one of them was hiding as a servant would you think well it's going to be another servant
1: yeah be like I feel like that's their thing
0: I don't know I would look at like different roles but also it's like a ca- I mean it's a castle like there are servants everywhere right you can't question having I mean, everything it would be like questioning the majority of the population I did think it was interesting how he so uh, with the dual perspectives and in, in um, the oh, how do past present Um usage is an assistant, but in the future present, he usurps the role of Emperor Shafeng, the emperor of Denoris. Yes. So he goes from servant role to leader, um, which I guess kind of uh, because he was in a weakened state, maybe, I don't know, it would be easier to be the emperor. I don't know. I just thought that that was an interesting little transition there. Yeah. Um, Te- Telemaine at the end, when Telemaine reveals that he's been working with Aina, it blows me away the way that he rationalizes things. And it's like, Contz wasn't going to get hurt too bad. It was, got- do you really think I'd do anything to injure him besides put him into like a sleep where, you know, he's still alive, but he lacks a soul and we're going to harvest that. So my girlfriend can make shadow glass father of the year
1: (laughs) (laughs) well I mean he already you know sent his first born away because he is a bigot yeah (laughs) he's a big like uh what did they call him like strange uh, proclivities proclivities
0: proclivities yes so um there have been suggestions, but we defi- we find out that Khaled is gay in this book um, and it has been rejected by his father because of that. And that was just really sad for uh, it was just really sad. You know, he talks about at the end how he his father had expressed more interest in him in the last few months after basically rejecting him. I um, mean, he was so hopeful that his father was going to try to rekindle their relationship, but that wasn't the case at all. That was sad. Although I was surprised that Kants never picked up on it. I know. I got really frustrated with Kant's at the end. Oh, yeah. Me I mean, too. um, uh, and uh, I guess I kind of understand. So at the end, Cons is, you know. He's awakened from his they're able to make the thing that wakes him up. And he he wakes up to like his father being absolutely out of his mind. Like Taya or Tia has, you know, driven him out of his mind. So he wakes up the king. Like he becomes the king. You know, his uncle's been killed. Everything's in chaos. There's been a battle. Like it's not, you know, it's not an it's not a nice thing to wake up to. Um, but then he's like just being super harsh toward Tia for taking away his ability to select a punishment for his father and determine if his father was a bad guy uh because he was being forced to be or out of his own will um but then at the uh, like kaylin and khaled defend her and khaled's like he was a good dad to you and Kant is like even my own brother doesn't side with me and um Khaled explains what was going on and Kant says like why didn't you tell me you were gay (laughs) oh my gosh I was so irritated Yeah, but what Khaled says to him in that scene I really like because he says something about how um, he he shouldn't have to tell him that like it's his business he shouldn't he doesn't have to share that information uh, if he doesn't want to which is correct like he's so he's so right um I had no obligation to tell anyone about my personal life if I chose not to like yes you are so correct um so I was yeah super for and Kaylin makes a good point too because kant's is like but he was my father and Kaylin's like, yeah, but he worked with the faceless who orchestrated the David attack that killed both of our mothers. Like, what about that? Cons? You just, you just going to forget about your dead mom there? Apparently, apparently (laughs) I was so irritated. Like, let's, let's, let's really look at the situation here. Cons, you're being kind of a jerk.
1: Yeah. And I love Kalen throughout this book.
0: Oh, he's so great, he's so
1: great, standing up for her, you know, backing her just in like from her point of view, but also when you know she raises him from the dead, mm-hmm. and in the bard's point of view, he's just there and supportive and stuff. And I, he's yeah. great.
0: He's so so like he's. I feel like there would be a hard balance with being someone's familiar, so it would be like. Okay, so you're alive because of them. Do you just go along with what... Because um, at the Fox, or at the Fox, at the beginning, uh, Michaela, I think it's in this book, Michaela says something to Fox about not doing just whatever Tia tells him to do. And he says something like, well, I'm loyal to my master first. So I feel like it would be hard to be a familiar to someone and balance like, okay, so you exist because of them, but... Do you maintain your person? Like, is there trying to not have that almost servantile role with them? Yeah.
1: Right. We see Fox struggling with that. Yeah. Anyway, like throughout this book. Throughout um, the book. Yeah. You know, he develops a romantic relationship and he keeps that hidden. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And it's hard for him because um, Tia tells him um, at some point, like, go live your life, you know, with her. You're not bound to me. Mm-hmm. And he obviously feels like, I, and I don't know how much of it comes just from it being a, as her brother versus her familiar, feeling like he needs mm-hmm. to be there for her. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she's got Kalen now. Um, right. Well, and she's also like an adult. So. Right. And like really awesome and has the Aussie and stuff who yeah. now isn't even her familiar and is still like hanging around being right. her friend. Still loyal to her. Yeah. Yeah. So. I like, um, so we still don't know who she killed. Now, I she says something about it being her family. Does she kill her sisters? I'm not going to tell you that. <sighs> well, I don't know. Maybe she killed. So I don't know if she's, when she says her family, if she's talking about her blood family, if she's talking about her Asha family, mm-hmm. right? Because maybe she killed Zoya because she wasn't there in that fight. Right. We didn't see her. Yeah. Um so who knows, but there were like mol- like and I know it's referenced in the first book that her sisters are dead. So anyway, um so she does open up to him and kind of shows him what she saw and what she remembers and he finally is like, "Oh." But then they're like, "Come to like talk to the council of elders or whatever and they'll hear your case." But no they won't no
0: they're gonna kill her like five times probably they like everyone that comes to see her is like come back to Ankayo and talk to the elders and she's like no she says this so many like I got so mad on her behalf like y'all not listening do you really think these hateful people are going to listen to her no she's been exiled they like no this is not gonna happen yeah. And she says, like probably five times, like, you still don't believe me, so I'm just gonna keep doing this by myself. Uh well, not by yourself with Khaled, uh Khaled and Kaylin. But still, she's like, You still don't believe me, which is so frustrating because like Fox has literally been in her head. And like these are people that are supposed to be um her best friends and care for her and they've taught her like they're her mentors and like these people are like her inner circle and they are all accusing her of this awful ambiguous stuff that we don't really understand at this point. And it's like, you still don't believe- There's one point where um, I think it's the first time that Fox turns up um, from the Bard's perspective when Fox shows up at Saint-Tiong, um in the castle and Kaylin walks in and Oh, I highlighted it. Fox is like, I thought you were dead, and um, oh, Kaylin's like, it? it doesn't matter. You're still not helping us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and then they have a, like a fight and stuff. Yes, yeah. uh, yes, yeah. Um,
0: I yeah, he said so. Lord Kaylin stepped through the door. With Princess Anessa behind him, and Fox looks over at the Death Seeker, and he says, "They said you were dead." And Kaylin says, "What difference does that make? You're still against us." And Fox says, "I have never been against you." And Kaylin says, "Not where I stand, not where, not from where I stand." It's like, oh, Kaylin, I love Mm -hmm. you so much. Will you be my my moody booty?
1: Oh, so let's talk a little bit about Kalen and um, Tia's relationship. Ah! I know. So we know that in the first book and through part of this book, he's really hostile towards her. Mm -hmm. And when he finally, he tells her like that the um, Oracle told him that she would be responsible or she would be the death of the person that she loved. Right. Yeah. And he always thought it was the prince. Mm-hmm. And that's why he was one of the reasons, one of the reasons why. Yeah. Um, I love his confession of love to her. And he's like, I fell in love with you at the lake. I know. <sighs> Me too. Great. I highlighted it in my book. It was, it was so great and it's so sweet. And their relationship is just so sweet. You know, it is, it's like, it's a young adult book. So it's really a sweet,
0: you
1: know, slow burn
0: relationship. Our enemies to lover really comes out in this
1: store, in this book. And they have such good like back and forth banter. Mm -hmm. Like I, one of my favorite scenes in this book was he overhears her like saying negative things about him. Mm -hmm. Right. To the chancellor. Right, Chancellor Lud something, yeah, right, Ludvig, okay. Ludvig. It is Ludvig, okay, Chancellor Ludvig. And she feels really awkward about it, and she's like, Okay, you can say like three negative things about me. And he goes on this crazy <laughs> long list of all of these things that he that frustrates him about her. But you know, it's like, you know what, that's too many, something's happening. Well, you knew Mm -hmm. something was going to happen.
0: Yes, he's thinking about it a whole lot. Mm -hmm. The things that that he doesn't like about her. So something happens early on in this. Well, relatively early on um, when. So we have big escape scene right from Odalia because Kaylin's father has taken over the castle um, and they they are having to escape or be interrogated and killed. And so. The gang all runs off, but Kaylin decides like, no, I'm going to stay in Odalia. I'm going to try to protect Kants, even though I'll probably be injured or killed doing it. I'm going to stay. And Tia's like, no. And she compels him to come with him. And he's like super mad. And she feels really bad, but she probably like at least saved his life. Or saved him from experiencing some really bad things. So like, I don't know. How do you feel about, you know, like compelling someone and taking their will away when you're doing it to save them?
1: I mean, I'd probably do it for fun. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we've had this conversation before, haven't we?
1: Yeah, for the Red Queen.
0: <laughs> That's right. You wanted to be, oh, Maven's mom. Yeah. I just, power. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Ricky, if you were like a book or like a character in a YA fantasy book, you would be the bad guy.
1: <laughs> well. <laughs> keep it exciting.
0: Ew, yeah. Yeah. So you you don't feel bad about taking away someone, no. <laughs> someone's will if it, if it saves them.
1: Yeah, I would, I'd I mean, be fine with
0: it. I I would not take away some. I don't. I would not feel good about taking away someone's will just for fun. Um, but I think, you know, Tia really struggles with a lot of guilt after doing that, which is I think good. It shows she has a conscience, which is you know, ideal. Uh. But then she offers up to Kaylin to do the heart share rune, which like gives him like they have the power over each other and it really comes in handy. Um, But she's like, you can do anything that you want to me. Like, wow. Uh,
1: So my mind automatically went to dirty places. Of course it did. Mine does too. Yeah. Yeah. And so does Kaylin's. Yeah, I know, especially when he like leans forward and he's like, do you really want to know what I want you to do? Like, do you really want to know? And I'm like, I want to know. Yes, my
0: smutty side was like, please tell me. in In a lot of detail, tell me what you want to do.
1: Yes. And then of course, later on though, he's like, I wanted, like, I wasn't going to compel you to kiss me. And I was like, I know you're thinking more than that.
0: Way more than that. (laughs) Yup. Let's talk about, since we're talking about the runes in the book, let's talk about the book. So, Ana tells Tia about this magic book of faceless runes that the um, Asha Asha Association don't want Dark Asha to know about. So, she finds it, and there's all these different runes in there. One of them being Heartshare. Um, one of them being one that will allow her to make a familiar live again. Yep. And then we have that tie in. So they talk about that rune in the beginning of the book and then she ties it in at the end. Um, So it seems like that's, that's the big plot. That's where we're going with this. She says, um, she, she directly states the, the actual like rune or spell or whatever it is that goes with it. Um. So that seems like, and she's made, she's made the, what Light's Glass, I think is what it's called, and that she's got the so blade that soars part, and she's made hollow knives part of Heart's Glass, so.
1: But talking about, you know, talking about that book and these, like, faceless runes and evil runes and stuff, like, I feel, why are they evil, you know? yeah
0: like what makes them evil even alfie at one point she says something about how like obviously these runes are hidden because it's maybe not a good thing for them to be out there in the world And it's like oh you get to decide like you don't just not you get to decide things like that
1: yeah and it's interesting in a, in a lot of books, you know, they think like, oh, all of these, like the evil will overtake you, you know, mm-hmm. the, in, this, in this book it's dark rot, mm-hmm. right, is what they call it. And I just feel like if the runes hadn't been suppressed or hidden or anything like that, or even if like mm-hmm. just maybe the darker side, like I don't even really want to call it like darker side because what are any of these runes really so much darker about? I guess it deals more with death and maybe more with compulsion, but I don't really see anything super negative in these hidden runes, right? These runes, like there's nothing that seems like really negative. I mean, one of them is this heart share one. Right. Anyway, But that, that
0: begs the question though, is it, is it that these runes are actually dark or is it? That these runes are actually just things that the dark Asha can use to make themselves more powerful, which the Asha Asha Association doesn't like because they don't want to be like they don't want their power overtaken or usurped, right? Exactly. So it's not really about the evil dark runes that are considered treason to use and can get you in lots of trouble it's that you're questioning someone else's authority and we all know authority figures don't like it when you do that so
1: yep and I think and just in general with the stuff if these runes had been taught so obviously some of it does come with some sort of feeling like power right because she Brings it up with the Aussie, you know, she's like, oh, I had missed the darkness, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm wondering if this would even be labeled darkness, if this had been something that was just normal. that They kind of grew up with that was taught, that was normalized because I just don't see. And they, and I know it's like, oh, you have a black heart glass, but that comes from murdering somebody and enjoying it. Right. Right. That's not like because you use these runes. Yeah. So I don't know. I just feel like it's frustrating. It, yeah. Go ahead. It's frustrating. And I hate that the Asha like crippled the dark Asha. Yeah. That's essentially what they did.
0: Right. Uh, well, it's it's fear mongering. It's creating this sensation of fear around this, this thing that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a thing that they've decided is bad. And so when you do that, when someone uses this thing, um, because they've created this fear surrounding it, it's automatically seen as like bad and a betrayal. And they report the person to the Asha association. Who can take that person out because they're considered a threat because they have suddenly a little bit more power. Mm -hmm. Not about it be, I mean, okay. So like the faceless, they're bad people because they enjoy murdering people. But it's not really about it being like a good thing or a bad thing. It's about someone feeling that their power is being threatened and not liking that
1: well I'm gonna lead into something else now because I know we both brought up a point of this on our um in our document uh her sister Asha turning her over Mm -hmm. tattling on her bootlickers yeah (laughs) so they have created the council of Asha or whatever they're called really have uh, because don't they call the association at some point too I think so Maybe it's, like, Council of Elders elders, and the Asha Association or something. Anyway, so they have created this environment where they're, like, oh, you have to report these things. Mm -hmm. Why? Right? Like, what she has done has not hurt anyone else. At least not yet. Right? What has she done that's so awful? And, you know, they're friends, their sister Ashish, they're some of her mentors, right? Mm -hmm. And they're just like, oh, we're still going to turn you over.
0: Yeah. Even though this is considered treason and you'll definitely be punished. uh, We're just going to and even though nobody got injured or harmed by this, we're definitely going to turn you over for it. So sorry, but not not sorry, not sorry. Althea is the one that like I mean, just kills me because even Tia is like, because Polair uses the heart share rune Mm
1: -hmm.
0: with her and Michaela, which the only way that she would know about that is if she had seen the dark book that Aina told Tia about. So she's obviously had some, is is Alfie going to report Polair for using the heart? Like, I mean, I feel like it would be really hard to trust any of your other sisters or whatever when you're constantly afraid of being reported for like this things like this. And also, I, I mean, I I don't know. It's just weird to me that people follow rules like this. So, so severely.
1: (laughs) I mean, but we've seen it in real life. We saw like, I mean, you think about world war two, right. People were turning over their neighbors. Yeah. You know, for Mm. small crimes, like that's just, it's like human nature for whatever reason. It's human nature. Yeah and just
0: so what I really like is when Tia is being questioned by the elder association because uh you know Alfie turned her over Empress Alex like storms in and was like I'm gonna be taking this girl so bye and they're like the the elder Asher like but she had a book and Alex is like hold on She had a bad book, a dangerous book. That's what they call it. They call it that the elders, Asha, are like that Tia had this dangerous book. And Alex says, books are only dangerous to those who keep their flock uneducated, elder. Snap, snap. Like, oh, yes, girl. You tell them.
1: Yes, that's actually, that was one of my quotes. Now I have to delete it. So anyway, it's still my quote. No, it's okay. It's such a good Um it's such a good quote and a good point too. And all of this also backs up what um Ania has been telling um Taya too. Yeah. So she planted this seed in um Tia's, I keep saying Taya now, Tia's mind, and she's seeing all of these things happen. You know, she's Mm -hmm. seeing she hears about Polaire or she sees Polar use a heart chair. Um, she finds out that Polaire learned that from one of the elders because she found it. Right. Mm-hmm. So now this corruption extends to the elders. And so she's um, suspicious based off of, she was already kind of suspicious. And so now she's even more suspicious and it just spirals. Yeah. And she turns into this like total amazing person who raises the Deva and just like, yeah. Destroys everything in her path. Love her. Right. Love it.
0: And ask questions. And that's what really gets me about this. Like Aina is the first person who's asking Tia like um does this not seem suspicious to you and maybe you should ask the elders where Michaela's heart's glasses and maybe you should find out about this book and maybe you should ask some questions and Tia's like you know you're right like I know that Aina's the bad guy and it's definitely bad to enjoy murdering people but when she was trying to convince Tia to come to the dark side. I was like, "All right, let's go." It sounds like they have a way better time over there, and they they're way more curious and ask questions. I was like, "Is it really that bad?"
1: Is yeah. it really? You probably wouldn't always have to murder people. <laughs> Just a little murdering, <laughs> like no. I mean, they might have like other roles. They're like scholars or some who knows. Yeah, I probably would have been like, yes, I'm way interested in learning all this stuff. Please Tell
0: me more, Aina. Tell me
1: more. (laughs) Tell me where to meet your people.
0: What more can I learn? Yep. We have more spells here. I mean, but I, I like that. I like that she pushes Tia to question things, which Tia then later on, tries to push the other people in her circle to question things too. Like even Alfie with the book, she's like, does this not seem suspicious to you? And Alfie's like, I guess I'll ask around. Like, why are you so hesitant to ask questions? And then from the bard's perspective, she's pushing them to ask questions when they're trying to get Tia to turn herself over to the elders so there can be a trial. It's like, why? why, Bunch of sheep. That's what they are. It's just a bunch of sheep. (laughs) Just a bunch of rule followers.
1: I I agree. Yeah. So then they have to fight the blighted, right? Which we talked a little bit about earlier. Yeah. But and that ends poorly. It does. It ends with Michaela's death and <sighs> Portia, because that's sort of when the bard comes back mm-hmm. and he finds her with um, Michaela's body, and she's you know, frantically, I guess, trying to bring her back. Mm. And so upset because she managed to bring Kaelin back. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why can't I bring her back? Um, And she's so upset. And she asked, like, just to stay there with her a few more minutes. Oh, my heart hurt for her. You know, like, Michaela was, even though they had their ups and downs and stuff, she was the one who completely changed her life, who believed right. in her. Uh Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I was... And uh, Tia did a lot for her too, managing to find her heart glass for her. Mm-hmm. It just.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. I mean, it's really, it's really sad. I do like that at the end, they at least kind of had their because when the, their first encounters in this book from the bards, So we know at some point there's a huge rift between Tia and her inner circle, because now they're all separated from her. And so at some point there was some major conflict and Tia and Michaela weren't on the same page anymore. And so that, with what we know about Tia, we know that that must be so hard for her. And so it's nice for them, at least at the end before Michaela dies to have some type of um, resolution or closure and Michaela not just die thinking that what Tia, because with that happening, Michaela realizes that Tia is not this awful person that they all think that she is. Um, so it, it's comforting, I guess, to know that they have a little bit of closure in their relationship. Yeah. I agree. I've- so that's one big character death. The other character death is Polaire, which is mm-hmm. so sad.
1: so sad and that, really sudden too yeah it was again one of those things i wasn't really expecting and then just that's when uh tia kind of loses it and that's when she kill uh kills and enjoys it and how she develops yeah. the black and the black in her heart heart glass yes. yeah yeah um, and she kills Ana, hmm
0: which mm. I mean, I was really satisfying, but I I mean, like understandable, like the rage, the rage and the powerlessness and all of the things that she was feeling like I understand her motivations and even, you know, briefly kind of enjoying that, that sort of vengeance for her friend and sister who was suddenly killed because of Aina. So, I mean, you know, it's wrong to delight in the death of somebody, but. I can kind of understand it.
1: Yeah. Especially, I guess, with the... I don't want to say necessarily adrenaline, but the passion and the really high emotions that are going mm-hmm. on. That uh, she's got yeah. kind of going on, you know. It's understandable. Yep.
0: And that's where that's where some of the dark comes in. And that... that <sighs> I feel conflicted about this darkness within her. Because... Uh, we all have light and dark in us. We all have the potential for darkness. And so, um, gosh, is it Harry Potter where they talk about having the light and the dark in you? Uh, but what, what matters is not letting the dark overcome the light or something like that.
1: You know what I'm talking not about?
0: Like dark days win,
1: or something? No, no.
0: that's slow. That's a no. That's ass. Ass, yeah. Yep. Never mind. Um, know there's some Harry Potter with that quote with that but um throughout the story people keep saying to Tia like you've changed like you're you're not the same Tia that you were you've got you've got more of the darkness in you and I don't know if it's changing you for the good or not or whatever like and I, I get frustrated with statements like that to her about her because who wouldn't change When you've experienced the things that she's experienced, especially from the Bard's perspective, Khaled says that she's changed. Someone at her brother says that she's changed. Like, uh, yeah, she's changed. There was clearly some major event that occurred. She was exiled. Her lover was murdered. She lost a ton, like a lot of bad things happened to her. How would she not change?
1: And I mean, she's also learned so much. I mean, when we started this book or the series, she's like, what, 11, no, 12, 13, young. 12, 13, right? Yeah, 12. And she's now 17. I was not the same person at 12 that I was at 17. Nope. Now you learn more, you grow. And what she's learned and what she saw has not been the greatest. Right. So, of she course. <laughs> yeah,
0: she hasn't been treated well. By people who should be people she can trust. Yep. I don't know how you couldn't change. And even like uh, before this big betrayal that we don't know completely about yet, but that's being hinted at, Fox makes a comment about her changing when um, they reveal the plan that Anessa and Zoya had for like the marriage and her eventually using the Deva to threaten Shafong if he didn't let them go or do what they wanted. Fox is like, you've changed. So like, she's practical. She made a good plan. Like if your other plans don't, you always need a backup plan first of all, but if your other plans work, um, you have this scary Deva that can do things that you want. Yeah.
1: And it's cool. L- like, why wouldn't you use that? And it was literally plan C. Like, yeah, <laughs> we had there two were other- two others. <laughs> it wasn't just like, all right, we're going to leash unleash the dragon no it was okay we've got these other two plans Mm -hmm. we'll see if one of them works and if it doesn't well this is our ace in the hole we gotta light this place up and get out of here you know yeah yeah you've changed how much does she she's yeah she's smarter
0: you're right This book has a lot more magic in it and I really love seeing all of it. So we talked, I mean, they talked about there were some displays of magic in the first book but in this book we get to see them using the runes a lot more and I really like that, like in their battle scene. So when Alfie uses some type of rune to like create a sinkhole and Kaylin uses it to do the same thing and to like, um, Zoya uses wind to and there's just all of it to create like this acid rain or something we get, we get to use a lot, or they get to use a lot more magic in battle scenes in this book. And it's really interesting to read. It reminds me of the TV show Avatar, The Last Airbender, but
1: Mm -hmm. more exciting and sexier. Yeah. They're not limited to just one element. Right. I really liked. Yeah. So there was a lot of representation in this book. You know, we talked about um, Kayla but there's so much more Mm -hmm. so um and Lick right Mm -hmm. they kind of seem to have something going on yeah they're kind of dancing around each other a little bit they're dancing around yep we have Raheem yes and then we have um, Zoya and Shadi yeah it's a lot of representation and it's great yes it's really fantastic. It's nice to see um,
0: non-heteronormative <laughs> ideals being represented in books. I agree. And Nessa's character is uh, interesting to me because she, I like, think, she's super strong. And as a leader, she does give off this like, like this sense of like grace and being able to handle leadership situations. But she also kind of gives off like woe is me vibes a couple of times. So there are times when I really like her, especially like how she handles Emperor Shafong and she stands up to him when he tries to, I don't know, tell her that it's not ladylike for her to train with swords. But at the same time, like sister, get it together. Um, She says to Fox at one point, she says, you can train me to fight, but you will never train me in time to be as competent as with a sword as Kaylin or Tia or anyone else. I will always require the most saving, the most protection. Do you know how horrible that makes me feel? Like, girl, you're the freaking princess. If you want to learn how to use a sword, learn how to use a sword. Like, If you're tired of feeling helpless, do something about it. (laughs) This is a choice. Take action. Quit complaining. Do something.
1: Speaking of, I love the scene where Tia fights off two soldiers. <gasps> yes. Mm-hmm. I yes. love that. Especially because they were saying such misogynistic things about her. Yeah. And Kalen understood them. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to like defend her, but he realized, you know, he couldn't that the best defense is going to be her beating them mm-hmm. and so he encouraged her and he's like do it i love that scene i know especially he because here's for her when she defeats them yes and he's so proud of her mm-hmm. their relationship is just so sweet it's so great it's so great mm-hmm. then he says her next challenge is going to be defeat five of them
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> i really like so when they're at emperor Shifan's palace i guess or whatever and it's the wedding scene and they're all like uh what's gonna happen because she can't like actually marry this dude but she goes through it and we and that's when zoya picks her time and accuses Mm -hmm. value of being a traitor and i just love how all of that was set up it was so clever zoya is i mean she's like a little Sherlock Holmes over here she's just super um smart at making connections and things like very perceptive i guess is probably the word that i'm looking for um so her part with anessa in planning out how the wedding was gonna go down to so their plan for having Shifang knocked out so that anessa could briefly take over like rulership of denoras like it was just outstanding it really was and that was a twist that i didn't see coming either so many twists in this book I really like, this is mentioned um, sort of briefly in from the bard. So the bard's perspective in this book was really fantastic. There's a lot of descriptive stuff from the bard's perspective in the first book. He gets to be more involved with events in in this book. And also just, there's a lot more action from the bard's perspective in this book. It's not just Tia on a beach drinking potions and raising dead animals.
1: Oh, yeah. So like more
0: happens. way more action from Bard's perspective in this book. And so in one of the scenes, a envoy with Michaela and Mistress Carmina and someone, i won't, maybe it's Hestia, they turn up and uh, they draw attention to the outfit that Mistress Carmina is wearing. So she's got on this yellow hua with yellow striped carnations on it. And the Bard talks about the flowers that and Tia has placed in a vase on the table and they 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 introduce those things we don't really talk about them until later and Tia brings up the language of the flowers which I think is fascinating like super interesting I don't know if this is a real thing it seems like it could be uh, but she she says I told you of our language of flowers so yellow carmations which is what mistress Armino was wearing mean rejection striped ones mean that she's refusing to compromise Um, Parmena's Zavar indicated that she was concerned for her. And so Tia responded with the flowers that she had in her vase, which was she had monkshood to warn Parmena of traitors in their midst and Belvedere to indicate war, which they didn't listen to. She says they made their choices and I made mine. And if I cannot sway them with kindness and they shall die stop taking my quotes <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> get some oh, other God. quotes vicky <sighs> i totally i mean she tries really hard mm-hmm. like stupidly hard to get these people to listen to her yep and they don't yeah. and so she gets her army of the dead to eat the soldiers which i really liked I liked how when she has that confrontation where they leave the castle, they're like, you killed our men. And she's like, you brought your army to these people who had no part in this. They were completely innocent and you would have harmed them. I gave you options and you rejected them. So this is your fault.
1: Yeah. Yes. You're right. Yep. Yeah. I I love the, I love the, dead eating
0: the people man how terrible of a death would that be <laughs>
1: Be really bad
0: so uh, let's talk about our quotes one thing that i like that tia says to princess um Xiao after and so this is and this is then the bard's perspective and she says um to grieve means that you have loved to love opens up the possibility of grief there cannot be one without the other I like that just because it it, it speaks to the, the vulnerability uh, that comes with loving someone else. You open yourself up to the possibility of being hurt either by that person or by loss of that person. Uh, but I think most of the time people would agree that it's worth it to have loved and to experience that than to never have loved and, and to to not feel those those sad feelings so I like that and then uh, there's a, um, a scene near the end of the book where Tia is speaking with Fox about um, he says something about telling the truth and she says most people reject the truth Fox lies are sweet to the palate but the truth is often spat out bitter and rancid politeness and veracity have never walked hand in hand but when I die at least I shall die knowing that my eyes were open looking at at all there was to see and when that day comes i will make sure that you have no part to suffer in it i like it because i think she's correct um people often reject the truth for the the thing that makes them feel more comfortable um but i also like it because it it, it this is like right at the end of the story and so it sets up a really foreboding end <laughs> at book two and, and, and hits to, um, I don't know, maybe a little bit of what we can expect in book three.
1: The okay. Yeah. Especially like the first quote you pick. It's something we've seen a lot, like how this like positive spin on grief. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have seen it. Um, quite a bit. Yeah. I like it. Um, So I have two down for my four, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) Sorry. I mean, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry.
1: (laughs) You do it again. (laughs) Uh, So I have um, A Little Corruption is Good for the Soul. And I like this because it's kind of true you know yeah um just always being good and never experiencing anything kind of outside that mm-hmm. is boring and you do something that's a little bit bad or just a little bit dangerous something that you wouldn't normally do mm-hmm. it's something fresh and new and good for you I mean don't go crazy with it I guess right Maybe yeah an corrupt politician mm-hmm. but <laughs> you yeah, know a little corruptions and shouldn't hurt anyone too badly <laughs> I like it I just like that quote and then I have this is at the standoff um, before they um, when they all meet up again um, and from the bard's perspective so they stared at each other stubborn to the end convinced it was the other that was wrong like the disagreements all wars were made of great at like point <laughs> you know that is what all words are made of but again setting up I think the um next book and kind of also what came later on in this book um yeah and I enjoyed that quote as well I highlighted that one too you're lucky
0: I didn't say it as well I guess um <laughs> I feel like this is another theme that kind of pops up in a lot of the stories that we read as well. Maybe it's just because there's often, you know, one side pitted against the other side with both sides feeling like they're right. But I like that as well. We've talked about how, um, you know, characters, uh, they, they see things from their own perspectives. And so um, typically, Oh, and it depends on the type. So, like, you really enjoy the the chaotic bad guy. And the chaotic bad guy is probably not going to war, thinking like, "Yeah, I'm doing this for the right reasons and the good reasons." Um, but not all of our villains are chaotic, and so they are going into these situations thinking like, "I'm doing this for for good. Like, this is a good thing that I'm doing it for. Maybe I don't know." Um.
1: Final thoughts? I I love this so much. And I really got to, I, I don't know at what point I got to it. I just, I mean, it was probably like 45%. And I was just like, got to finish it. Like <laughs> totally into it. Couldn't put it down. Couldn't walk away. So yeah. I really love this. I'm so excited to see what happens in the next one. Um, I, I'm really, I, I wonder if this, doesn't have a happy ending. You know, I sometimes like books that don't have a happily ever afters. So I'm really curious to see if this will be one of those books series. Yeah. What about you? Oh, I love this book.
0: It's so it's like just the series is outstanding. Um, But this there's so much action and excitement that happens in this book and so many twists. So many unexpected things happen in this book. It just makes for really great storytelling. Cause I I, like, I like being able to predict what's going to happen because I enjoy spoilers, but I also like a surprise too. And I definitely like, even having read this before, I forgot what was going to happen and was still surprised. So I just, I, I love it so much. So, so that's it. Um. You can join us next week for the last book in this trilogy. It's called The Shadow Glass, again, written by Rinchi Chipeko. Uh, we hope you join us and we thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.